Broadcasting from the Cradle of Liberty in Philadelphia. All the way to the rhythm and blues of Beale Street in Memphis. To high atop the Wasatch Mountains in Utah. This is where politically correct perception meets common sense. This is the Joe Carey Show. Hey, welcome to the Joe Carey Show right here on KTalk 1640 AM, KYAH and the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in to the show today. Um, the big breaking news coming out, uh, Sarah Carter, who uh, used to work for The Blaze um, and is now basically out on her own. She does a lot of work um, or her work is magnified and amplified by Rush Limbaugh, Fox News, Sean Hannity. She has come out with a story showing uh, that Joe Biden, uh, the former vice president, received $900,000 for lobbying and consultation-related services to the uh, gas and oil company Burisma. A Ukrainian member of parliament claimed in a press conference he held on Wednesday, this was yesterday, that this $900,000 was the transfer of Burisma Group's funds for lobbying activities. Investigators believe these funds were transferred personally to Joe Biden through a lobbying company. Funds in the amount of $900,000 were transferred to the United States to Rosemont Seneca Partners, which according to the New York Times, is affiliated with Joe Biden. The payment reference was payment for, quote, consultative services. Well, there you go. 900,000 reasons why Joe Biden doesn't want the spotlight on him. A million dollars for consultative services? Yeah, I think Joe Biden should be under oath answering that question. What exactly did you do? And even if you didn't do it, what? What value did they see in paying a former vice president close to a million dollars for consultative services? What exactly did you do or promise to do to receive that money? Can you see why Joe Biden gets a little antsy? Can you see why he gets a little hot under the collar when you start to ask him questions about Burisma Holdings? No wonder he keeps telling the press, don't ask me about these questions. I'm not going to answer them. The New York Times ran an op-ed yesterday. Joe Biden's campaign lashes out at the New York Times because they quoted Peter, uh, Peter Schweitzer's book where he lays all of this out. You know, we live in dangerous times. You know, I never thought, I never thought I would live in the day when there would be an entire political party, not just a corrupt politician or a rogue politician, they've been with us since the creation of government. But I'm talking about an entire political party that puts its own interests above the rule of law, above due process, and above the Constitution. And that's what we're watching unfold in the House of Representatives today. We are watching the Democrat Party say, you know what? It's more important that we win. It's more important that Donald Trump is defeated than it is for us to follow the tenets of the rule of law, the Constitution and due process. Think about the indictment that is. 
You know, I love how these politicians say, you know, the United States were the standard of the world. Right? Wasn't that Obama's big pushing point? We need to close Guantanamo because the world is looking at us and they're saying, where's the due process? Where's the Constitution? Close Guantanamo. And Obama would lecture us on that in the day. And then at night, he would sign off on the, the wiping out of 500 Americans by drone. I was talking to my son. He's like, you know, Dad, you know, it's, it's wrong if a, if a Democrat does it or a Republican does it, right? Like, we don't equivocate based on who's making the call. We decide based on principle. And the example I said was absolutely it was wrong for Obama to order the drone attacks on American citizens living outside the United States. It was wrong. And it's wrong today, even if Trump, as Trump orders it. These American citizens didn't have any due process. There wasn't a jury. There wasn't a fact finding. What, you have somebody deciding, some unnamed individual deciding, this person poses an existential threat to the United States or its citizens. Well, I've reviewed the Constitution. I don't see that clause in there. And I know it's not popular. And I know there are people who are going to say, Joe, these are bad people. They're dangerous people. They would slit your throat in your sleep. Yeah, I get it. I understand it. I understand this isn't a, a theoretical uh, you know, law exam. But I also understand that the f- founding fathers were pretty emphatic that we have to protect the rights of all Americans because if we don't, none of your rights are safe. And that's why this is a big deal when Nancy Pelosi declares an impeachment inquiry but refuses to hold a vote on it. Because really what she's doing is saying, you know what, if I declare a formal impeachment proceeding and we vote on it, certain things are going to automatically fall into place. But if I just declare an impeachment inquiry, which is a made-up term, then I get to set the rules. And the rules she set were this. And this is why she doesn't want to have a vote on impeachment. One, she may lose. There may be enough defections of Democrats in the House where she could lose a vote on formal impeachment. It's doubtful. I I think, you know, the, the Speaker has a lot of power. But by holding a vote, she forces Democrats in districts that Trump won to go on the record. Are you for Trump or against him? Are you for the impeachment or against the impeachment? An impeachment inquiry allows you to to sit in the best of both worlds. Well, we need to do more investigation. So you keep the progressives happy and you keep the Trump supporters at bay. But the most important thing, by declaring it an impeachment inquiry but not an impeachment proceeding, you limit the power that Republicans in the House of Representatives have. Right? Because since there's no rules of engagement, Republicans can't call witnesses. They can't subpoena witnesses. And because there's no rules of engagement, Trump's lawyers can't cross-examine the witnesses that Democrats are calling. And that's why Pelosi wants to stay in the middle of this political road. Because she emasculates the Republicans. They don't have any power. They don't have any subpoena power. They don't have the right to question witnesses or call witnesses. I should say call witnesses. 
But remember this, if they can do it to the president, you don't think they can do it to you? So if you're looking at this and saying, well, it's okay because it's Donald Trump. It's okay because Donald Trump's a bad man. They can do it to anyone. That's why you've got to look at these things very carefully and very suspiciously and say, you know what? This isn't fair. Can you imagine you going to court or your spouse going to court? And they're fighting for their freedom. And the only witnesses that take the stand are the ones that the other side calls. And when you go to call your witness, you're told, no, no, you can't, you can't call any witnesses. But wait, my witness has something different. It doesn't matter. That's what Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats are doing. And if you're in that same courtroom and you want to introduce evidence, and the other side says, no, no, the only evidence that's allowed to come in is evidence that we select, that we sign off on. Is that fair? Would any one of you sign off on that and say, you know what, yeah, take me to court, I'll play by those rules? No, you would rightfully say this isn't fair, this is a sham, it's a kangaroo court. And that's why Donald Trump sent the letter to Nancy Pelosi yesterday and said, look, if you want an impeachment, go ahead. Have an impeachment vote. Vote on whether or not you're going to begin formal impeachment proceedings. I'll tell you what, that doesn't strike me as someone who has something to hide. Doesn't strike me as someone who's running away from something. He's saying if you have the evidence, and if you really want to move forward with this, hold a formal impeachment vote. I'll cooperate. But if you're just going to run this kangaroo court, forget it. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to play. Really forcing Nancy Pelosi into a political box. Because I think if this goes before the Supreme Court, I think the House loses. I don't think, any, I don't think those justices on the Supreme Court will allow this sham to continue. We'll have more right after this break on The Joe Carey Show on KTalk, 1640 AM. Back to the Joe Carey show. I, I've got to say, don't be discouraged by what the Democrats are doing. Right? They are making a lot of noise. They're banging pots. They're banging pans. But it's a lot of theatrics. I mean, they are not making any, any headway on this case. I think they're every day that goes by. I think this call for impeachment gets weaker and weaker and it's revealed for what it is. Because if you're coming at this from a position of strength, you're going to give the Republicans, you're not going to set yourself up for this, you know, one-sided, you know, Spanish Inquisition. Apologies to Julian Castro. But, you know, you're not going to set yourself up for this. But they don't have any other choice because they know if this was a level playing field, 
the American people, even more so than now, would say this is a sham. Think about this. The the whistleblower, if if we want to call this individual a whistleblower. The House Democrats refused to disclose this individual's identity. He's not protected by the whistleblower statute. The whistleblower statute only says, look, you come forward, we're going to protect you. We're going to protect your job. You can't be fired. You can't be terminated. It says nothing about, hey, you're going to be able to keep your secret identity and, you know, you won't have to go through the embarrassment of public testifying. You won't have to go under the scrutiny of the lights. Well, Joe, uh, he's uh, he's in the CIA. You can't be talking about his identity. I mean, geez, he's CIA stuff. He's about as CIA as Evan McMullen. He's an analyst for the CIA. He's not a spy. He's not working, you know, covert operations. He's an analyst. And his name is probably in the in the online Rolodex of CIA analysts. But you're going to go after the votes of 63 million Americans. And you're not going to reveal the identity of this CIA agent. And, And I've said this before on the show, and I'll say it again. I don't think the House is ever going to call this witness. I don't think the House is ever going to let this guy testify. Because as soon as he pops up, even if it's a closed intelligence hearing, his identity will be leaked. As sure as the sun comes up tomorrow, his identity will be leaked. And what do you think is going to come out? They've already tried to soften the blow, right? They've already tried to get out ahead of the storm. Well, uh, he's a Democrat. You know, we just want you to know that he's a Democrat. But, geez, he's loyal as the day is long. So they're saying, well, he's a Democrat, but that's okay. And then the next shoe fell. Well, you know, uh, he has he had a professional relationship with one of the presidential campaigns. And when the Senate. When Tom Cotton in the Senate started asking the inspector general for the intelligence community, hey, uh, tell me about this professional relationship we had with one of the campaigns. Do you know what the senator was told? Well, we can't discuss that. I'm not going to get into that. Well, why? You can't tell us how high up in the uh, campaign was he? I mean, was he in regular communication with the, the person running for president? Was it Joe Biden's campaign, perhaps? How well does he know this individual? Is he married into the family? Relevant questions that any attorney, any attorney in any courtroom will be allowed to ask of a witness. But again, the House wants to rewrite all the rules, not because their case is strong, but because it's weak. It is weak. And I tell you, the more time that passes, the more information is going to come out, which exposes what Joe Biden and his son Hunter have done. And it's not just the Bidens. This should not be, hey, let's pile on Joe Biden, because I guarantee you, you put 100 politicians at random in a lineup. 95 percent of them will have done the same thing. They will have used their position of influence to benefit their family. 
Now, is that illegal? I don't think so. What, if if you're a member of Congress and you call up and say, hey, I want to get my son or daughter a job, as long as you don't tag on the 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 extra, uh, and if you do, all these good things will happen, or you don't imply that, you think it's wrong for Chelsea Clinton to get a $600,000 a year job from NBC? I think it stinks. I don't think she was qualified. I think NBC overpaid by the tune of $600,000, but that's their money. And if Hillary Clinton wasn't out there saying, hey, donate, and I mean, get her this job because I'm going to do all these great things for you, yeah, let NBC do that. Now, we all know why NBC did it, and we shouldn't be played as stooges. We know why NBC hired Chelsea Clinton. We know why NBC paid her. The, the 600000 a year is because they wanted access to mom. And the only reason anybody knows Hillary's name is because of Bill Clinton. And then Hillary went out and she established herself. That happens every day, all day, at the national level, the, the, the federal level, and the state level. But yeah, when when Hunter Biden is being paid $50,000 a month for a job he doesn't appear to be qualified for, yeah, I think it's okay to say, you know what, hey, we've got to look into this. We've got to find out why this happened. It's like colleges. Colleges bring in, you know, the famous people. Oh, you're, you're the daughter of so-and-so? Okay, come on in. Is that wrong? No. Why are they doing it? Because they want access to mom or dad. But it becomes wrong when you start bribing people to get your son or daughter into college. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying it's not illegal. But it happens all the time. And Joe Biden getting a $900,000 check? Yeah, somebody, I think somebody's okay to ask, you know what, Joe? We got to look into that because that, that strikes us as a little bizarre. Our court system, right, the, the way the founding fathers went about establishing, you know, uh, proving guilt, they intentionally chose the adversarial system. There's other systems where it's not adversarial. You try to work things out. You try, you know, this, hey, let's all get together. Let's make this happy. Let's get to the truth. Then there's our system, which is, hey, you're each going to go in, you know, ready for bear. And you're going to beat the other side up metaphorically with depositions, with interrogatories, with questions, and you're going to get to the truth. Because the founding fathers said light and transparency is the ultimate disinfectant. You want to get to the truth? Bring more light to it. Bring more transparency. Allow more free speech, not less free speech. Allow more assembly, not less assembly. Founding fathers were brilliant. Brilliant. And I think that's why Team Trump did what they did. They took a big step, an appropriate step, and said, look, the rules that the House have set up, only their witnesses, they only get to subpoena. We don't have, we don't have members of our legal team in those rooms. We're not going to participate because it's unfair. So really what the Trump campaign is saying is, 
allow more transparency, allow more light. If you do that, we can get to the truth. But the House, this isn't a pursuit of truth for them. It's really not. When we come back, um, I want to talk uh, about the big gun case coming up before the Supreme Court. Uh, They're going to hear that this term. It may affect you. We'll be back right after this break. Thoughtful discussion. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Hey, welcome back to the Joe Carey Show right here on K Talk 1640 AM, KYAH, and the Loving Liberty Radio Network, coast to coast. Thank you for tuning into the show and uh, listening. I want to talk about, you know, we have this big election coming up, and it's not just about replacing, you know, Donald Trump for, you know, pick your Democrat nominee. You've got to remember that these Democrats have made some big promises, spending in the trillions of dollars. But to me, even more troublesome is that these Democrats, all of them, you pick one of them, they have all made a promise to materially amend the U.S. Constitution. They want to change the number of uh, justices on the Supreme Court. They want to abolish the U.S. Senate, not abolish it, but, you know, change it to represent represent uh, proportional representation in the U.S. Senate. They want to take down the Electoral College. The founding fathers were brilliant. They have frustrated liberal politicians for over 200 years with that simple document. And the Democrats can't beat it, so they want to destroy it. And we're watching that with our history as well. My pleasure to welcome Jim Sano uh, from New York to the show. Jim, what, what do you feel about that? These Democrats have all gone out there. They've all pledged that if I get elected, I'm going to change 200 years of American governance because I don't like this about the Constitution. Joe, your first half hour, I must say, was unbelievably terrific everything you hit on was absolutely on the money and uh, you really did a great job with that half hour your audience is a great audience and i'm sure they appreciate every minute that you uh, are on the air with that said the question you ask is very simply contained in just a few words the liberals are trying to normalize the abnormal it's as simple as that the constitution is the normal rules of the game when it comes to the United States of America. Now, you hear this all the time. I'm sure your audience hears this all the time, that the system is broken. It doesn't work anymore. The system is outdated. It doesn't work anymore. Well, I got news for all of them. The system is not broken. The rule book is absolutely brilliant, as you just said. The founding fathers were above brilliant. The things that I see unfold... 240 years after they put this thing together is absolutely miraculous. It's not the system that's bad. 
It's the individuals within the system that are corrupting it. That's where the problem lies. The rule of law, the rule of United States uh, normality is the best in the world, and I think I've told you this more than once. The United States is the only bastion of civilization left in the world when it comes to government. We are it, so obviously we're the target. And the clowns we have on the Democratic side of the equation, and I mentioned this also on air at one time, the Democrats have become the enemy of the United States of America. And I don't say that because I'm prejudicial to anything that goes on with them. I'm saying that because if you look at what they say, if you look at what they stand for, and you look at what they're doing, they're trying to, in essence, legitimize a stance that's 180 degrees out of whack. But, Jim, this seems so crystal clear to you and to me and to our listeners. Where is the disconnect? How do you still have – how many votes did Hillary Clinton get? I think it was just over or just under 60 million. How, how does that message continue to resonate with individuals when it seems so clear to individuals on our side of the political fence? There's a simple answer for that as well. Unfortunately, today's parents have to work, generally the wife and the husband. The school teacher, who is a byproduct of a system that hasn't got the experience of a grandfather. Speaking of that, uh, you, you mentioned your grandmother last uh, week. And before we leave, I just wanted to get the date of her birthday, just so I know what day that is. Secondly, when you had a grandmother, as you do, and I had, and most of the audience had, the wisdom just came out of their pores. So you were exposed to legitimate logic as a child. In today's world, unfortunately, the kids are being gypped from that osmosis or logic that comes from the elders. That's why the elders are always held in a bullseye scenario with the liberals, because the elders, and I mean, go back to our grandparents, who probably never graduated high school, had more common sense more American logic and more basic know-how in their fingertips than these folks today that are coming out of schools, uh, such as the Ivy Leagues and so forth. And the bottom line being is the foundation was never laid, so they're easily sway. When you have a computer that took the place, if you will, of the talk around the kitchen table, or the computer took the place of grandma and grandpa's wisdom, you don't have the insights of yesterday. And history it's always something that will repeat if you don't listen to it from the get-go. You know, Jim, I, I think you hit the, the problem uh, spot on. Let me ask you this. What is the solution then? Because, look, I don't see, you know, one parent staying home in the near future, and I don't see the school system uh, getting its act together and being uh, presenting fair and balanced information to the students that go through those halls. So if that's the state of affairs and that's what's leading to this disconnect, what then is the solution? How do we fix this in our homes and in our communities? The fix is not easy. The fix takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of patience. And it takes a lot of experience from those of us who have it. And that, I mean, you have to dedicate time with the younger children. The weak spot or the heavy-duty uh, unbreakable spot is the youth. The enemy knows that. 
We take a lot of things for granted in this country. When we go by on the Garden State Turnpike, uh, the New Jersey Turnpike, I should say, and see power lines with a six-foot fence with three inches of barbed wire, you don't even give it a second thought. The enemy looks at that as a potential target because that's not a good enough barrier to keep them out. The same applies with our youth. It's the same thing. Unfortunately, and it's really unfortunate, we have allowed pollution to set into this country. They're jumping our borders every day. I don't mean everybody. I mean the opportunity for the bad guy. We have people that go to jail and get a smack on the wrist because there's no no uh, space in the jail to go back on the street. We have parents that say, you know what, it's the teacher's problem. They'll teach them, and they don't teach them. We have people coming out of colleges that don't know anything, and I mean this, don't know anything, and they're teaching our children. The parents have got to set aside the time. I did it, and I have very little time. I see I have to set apart the time that it takes to go after the problem you see in front of you and make sure every single individual you come in contact with knows you got a problem with the way they're doing things. And generally speaking, from my experience, they turn around right away because the opposition you present to them is much more stringent than they ever anticipated finding. And sometimes you can make a teacher wise up in just one or two meetings and decide what he's going to do based upon what you had laid out in front of him. And if you look at Trump, and you know I'm, I'm big on Trump because I think he's as good as, a, uh, as it gets from a standpoint of a dedicated man, working as hard as he does and getting as little thanks as he does, as our military does, and so forth and so on, and our good parents do, you have to stand united. The biggest enemy we have in anything, whether it's your wife and your husband, your child and your mother, the school teacher and the individual, whoever, is the word doubt. You cannot allow doubt to creep into any situation. You have to, uh, you have to be able to project confidence. You have to prove your confidence works, and the end result proves the case. And I think Trump does that every day. He gets no credit for it. But he does it every day. I do it every day, and I know you do it every day, Joe. And I'm sure a good percentage of your audience does as well. So it's not an easy chore. You can't sit back and relax. You cannot look through rose-colored glasses because things seem to be okay. Things are never okay. When they seem to be okay, there's always somebody looking to take down that fence and destroy your electrical power. you got to be on guard at all times. And if that bad guy doesn't show up, your lights will be on every single day. Very simple. You know, Jim, we only have a minute left. I just, I was just reading an article about how the original Wizard of Oz, if you read the book, uh, Dorothy, Toto, everyone wore emerald-colored glasses. And it was so their vision of what was happening in the world around them would look better than it actually was. And I think you're 100% right that too many of us are wearing those rose-colored or emerald-colored glasses and we're doing it to our own detriment. Jim, we're up against the break. Thank you for calling in. We'll have you on next week. Be good, Joe. Stay well. Thank you. You know, you're listening to The Joe Carey Show right here on K Talk 1640 AM, KYAH, and the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Next, Provo and Ogden tie for the best places to live in America. We'll have our vote right after this break.
Hey, welcome back to the Joe Carey Show. You know, there is a new survey out. Um, many of you know this story. Our, our phone number is 801-331-8113, 801-331-8113. You know, we were looking to open up an office, and, and we looked in Utah County. We looked in Salt Lake County, and uh, I fell in love with Ogden and, and the Ogden area and opened up a business right on 25th Street. And, and Brian has been up several times, and we've had quite a few activities up there. And I just love the – I love the people, um, and I love the history. Uh, a lot of people in this audience, when I made that announcement, they called up, they emailed, they you know questioned my sanity. Uh, you know, two, two phone calls – still stick out to me. One person called up and said, Joe, don't open your business there. You know Ogden is the armpit of Utah, right? And I was like, what, what Ogden is he talking? Look, like any city, you're going to have good parts and bad parts. Unless it's West Valley, then the whole thing just write it off. But, you know, other than that, it's like, that was a satirical exaggeration. I think there's at least 2% of West Valley City that, you know, you don't have to quarantine. But so I was like, Ogden is a great place. Let's let's do it there. And, and that one caller called up. But then um, someone else uh, reached out and said, Joe, Ogden is so dangerous that even the carjackers get carjacked. I was like, that can't be true. So anyway, opened up the business. I talked to uh, Chief Randy Watt, the uh, police chief of Ogden City Police. Just out of the blue, I called him and said, hey, look, I'm thinking of opening up a business, and all of a sudden I'm hearing all these negative things about Ogden. Like, what's the bottom line? And, you know, it told me everything I needed to know because he took the time to say, let's address each one of those concerns. And he did. So now I feel vindicated because now a new survey is out. This from MagnifyMoney.com. And they looked at all the cities in America, and they said, what are the best cities to raise a family? And there are two Utah cities that came in at a tie for the number one spot. Now, where do you think that now, you know, one is going to be Ogden, right? Because I just did that whole prelude to the city. What do you think the second city is? So two Utah cities come in tied for the number one spot to raise a family. Ogden, Utah, number one, tied at number one. Provo, Utah. Now, I think a lot of people, if you're familiar with Utah, you're going to look at that and say, wait a second. Ogden and Provo, that's like, you know. It's kind of like peanut butter and jelly, like they're different, but they kind of go together. So MagnifyMoney.com, they looked at the following um, issues, economic numbers, consumer data, uh, housing rates, cost of housing, uh, education outcomes, education ability, value, a whole bunch of factors. Two cities that come in number one, Ogden, Utah, and uh, Provo, Utah. Following those cities, Boston, Massachusetts, Grand Rapids, Michigan, San Jose, California, those are the top five. Salt Lake City came in at uh, twenty-one out of the hundred out of the nation's hundred biggest metropolitan areas. But I spend a lot of time in Provo. My brother lives uh, in Provo. 
And look, Ogden, we have a 25th Street. Provo doesn't have a 25th Street. And we also don't have as many minivans in Ogden as they have in Utah County. And we've all had this experience. Have you ever tried to outmaneuver a minivan being driven by a crazy mom in a Smith's parking lot? I'd rather face the Taliban at night. You, you can't, you will never win that battle between a crazy mom and a minivan for a parking spot in Smith's parking lot. And the other reason why I prefer Ogden over Provo is uh, we're not neighbors with Orem. And that's, I mean, but just wanted to give a shout out to not only the uh, political leaders there in Ogden, but the people. Uh, because they really make the city what it is. Coming in, number one, tied with Provo as the um, best city to raise a family according to magnifymoney.com. So yesterday uh, I was talking to uh, to my son, and just out of the blue, he volunteers and says, um, Dad, he says, I'm not going to play uh, online as much as I used to. Because you know, he loves the Fortnite, uh, you know, uh, this basketball game, Y2K. He, and like every other teenager, a lot of them, I should say, they spend a lot of time online. And so I, you know, and this it just really came out of the blue. We were talking about some other issue and he just volunteered that. And I said, Why? And it was really interesting. See, he wasn't feeling well, um, so he was uh, resting and uh, actually sleeping. So when he woke up, he walked downstairs. And, you know, there were relatives downstairs, and they were like, oh, nice for you to join us. And, you know, and basically implying, hey, for the last couple of hours while we were down here, you were upstairs playing video games. And then, of course, his reaction is, well, wait, what? No, no, I was. I was, like, sleeping. And they were like, sure, you were sleeping. And he's like, Dad, it made me realize that maybe I am spending too much time on these video games. And then he went on to recount how he said, you know, my chemistry grade last year wasn't as, as high as it should have been. And he said it's because this new game came out. And he says, when it came out, I just spent all this time playing online with it. And he's like, yeah, my, my grade suffered. And I was just really impressed. I mean, impressed for two reasons. One, for him to have this self-realization moment, this moment where he said, you know what? I shouldn't be doing this. It's too much time. And the second reason to equate that with, you know, this falling grade. I was like really impressed by that. But I've got to tell you, it was a powerful confirmation. Uh, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we had our general conference this weekend. And the entire conference, at least the way it struck me, you have various leaders of, of the faith, you know, sharing uh, talks and testimonies. And as a member, my walk away was, wow, this conference is all about get your personal life in order. Be a better listener to the spirit. 
be more susceptible to the influence of the spirit. And it struck me as ironic because in an age where mass communication is easier than ever, the church is telling you, yeah, you know, we can communicate with you more often and easier than we ever have uh, before. But you know what? That's not the direction we're going to go. We're going to go in the opposite direction. Even though it's easier for us to communicate with you now than at any time in our history. Now is the time. For you to focus on you, you have the ultimate responsibility for you and your family. Now think about that. At a time where that mass communication, right, this isn't the 70s where we had those huge satellite dishes, you know, in the back of the meeting house and you'd have to go to the local meeting house to, to hear general conference. Now, I mean, they really could, you know, broadcast nonstop into your home. And even with that, they're taking a step back and saying, you have to focus on getting right with God. You've got to make sure that your conduit, your connection with deity is where it needs to be, where it should be, where it has to be. And I think all this focus on politics is sometimes meant as a major distraction from the real issue. We are here. And the biggest battle we will ever fight is the one with ourselves. We need to be our better self. Yes, be you. Be true to you. But be your better you. Stay tuned. A lot happening on the network. Remember, just two things. One, take the time. Get right with God. It's more important now than ever. And two, in a world where you can be anything, just be kind. We'll be back tomorrow right here on the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Thoughtful discussion. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.